Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Before we begin, just a massive thank you to however you are listening to this. We really do appreciate your support. We record the podcast every Monday and if you do enjoy it, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. It's a slightly different episode today. we got plenty to pack in. Myself and Simon Thomas, you'll shortly hear us uh, reflecting on the team to face Italy that Wayne Pivak surprisingly named on Wednesday afternoon. Plenty of change in there, so plenty to discuss. And then just after that, we'll hear from the man himself, Wayne Pivak, and what he had to say following that team announcement. So, as I say, plenty to get through in this podcast, so uh, stay tuned. Wayne Pivak has just bom- sort of dropped the bombshell on us that he's named his team to face Italy in their final Autumn Nations Cup game. And Simon, it's um, well, it's it was a surprise announcement. It's a surprise team, isn't it? I haven't even had time to go into wardrobe, Ben. I'm not prepared. <laughs> I haven't had my makeup or anything. How do they expect us to operate on this basis? Yeah, I mean, we've had a little inkling during the day, haven't we, that it was going to come out a little bit of advance warning, but it was certainly a a surprise compared to what we'd been expecting at the start of the week. Generally, throughout the campaign, the team's been on a Thursday. Um, but they've decided to change tack, whether that's because uh, during the campaign, the team's been leaking out in advance. So I wonder if that's part of the reason, or whether he's just decided because he's made the decision to go with it early. Um, it's certainly a, a, a selection that's you know going to get people talking. It's a, it's a hugely bold one. I um, sat down at the weekend and kind of working on the basis that Really, Wayne Pivak needs a win to finish off what's been a very difficult campaign. The presumption then would be that he'd go with his strongest side. And I did say within the piece, it's, you know, it's very difficult really to be absolutely clear in your own mind, second guess what he sees as his strongest side. So you make an attempt to work that out. Well, it probably isn't what he's got in front of us there. You know, we wouldn't have thought that that was what he'd come up with. I mean, it's a pretty radical selection. I make it nine changes in personnel from the England game, plus James Bothan swapping across from the open side to the blind side. And, you know, some very sort of striking and eye-catching selections where you've got, you know, very inexperienced young halfbacks there in Kieran Hardy and Callum Sheedy. First time they played together, well, it was the Georgia game they played in, but, you know, this is a big test for them now. When I guess you were kind of expecting more experienced players to be involved in this game in the search for a win. All new front row, um, changing the second row as well. Justin Tipperick coming back in. George North in the centre. That old chestnut returns again, doesn't it? We've talked about it so many times in the past. It's uh, it's a fascinating team selection. And, uh, yeah, I suppose if he's going to do it, he's going to do it in his terms, isn't he? Exactly. And I suppose it's the last one there that you touched upon is the one that really jumped out uh, when we saw the teams, what, 20 minutes ago. Um George North back at 13. I think the last time we saw him play against uh, at 13 was against Italy uh, in Wayne Perak's first competitive game in charge. All, all those, well, it seems a very long time ago. It's about 300 odd days ago now, isn't it? The start of the year, but um, it, it, it feels a long time ago. Um, it's, it's interesting that we're back at this point with George North coming back in the centre. I suppose that speaks volumes in terms of how the 13 jersey has, has sort of gone throughout the year. Well, if you look at it, though, that Italy game, which he started at 13, that was the point in which everything changed away from him being considered in the centre again. Because Nick Tompkins comes off the bench as a great uh, 
debut, scores a try, if I believe, if I'm right, stays in the, cha- the championship side at 13, probably the, the player of the championship at the start of the year for Wales. And uh, you thought he was going to be in one shape or form in the centre forever and a day, you know. And obviously it's not gone his way in, in the autumn and continuing sort of questions being raised over some of his defence and also perhaps the way he's used. He seems to be used more of a carrier, really, whereas in the, in the start of the year we were seeing his creativity and his running ability and in space and how he brings others into play. Um, so it's not quite worked out for him. So he's he's been sort of jettisoned out of the side again, not even on the bench, is he? You know, not involved at all. Given Jonathan Davis has a continuing knee issue, you start to look around for other options at outside centre. You've got Owen Watkin, I guess, you know, tried and trusted and solid, but it is a position for Jonathan Davis in the sort of latter stage of his career. They have to try and find other options at 13. And clearly the fact he went with George North at the start of the championship in February show there was something he was considering and he's gone back to it now and um, yeah, there's lots of firepower in that back line if you, to be honest you know yeah and it, it's also it's a very similar back line that played against Georgia and I think Pivak and before the Georgia game had spoken about how all this this back line had been basically running together for two weeks um, sort of before the Island game as well as the week of the Georgia game they probably didn't really, they weren't as clinical as they'd have liked to be in against Georgia. This is another chance then really to go out and show what a lot of these boys can do. Your Kieran Hardy, your Callum Sheedy's, Reese Amit, all, all, all these boys really just, just a, a real chance to sort of maybe right some wrongs from that Georgia game. Well, the thing is, you, you wonder now, don't you, how much this is a pre-planned selection. He's talked about Georgia being pre-planned. Did he perhaps, looking at the Autumn Nations Cup as a whole, decide two of the games are going to be full strength as you will the experienced full strength side and the other two is going to be more of an experimentation he did talk about using the autumn nations cup to look at the 2023 world cup so this kind of selection would fit in with that but you just wondered as the tournament went on whether that would change and the, the mounting pressure on Wayne Pivak would mean that he, he would perhaps change tack on that because it's all very well making plans for 2023. But if they lose this Saturday, he may not be around in 2023 or it might increase no. the chances of him not being around. So you thought, well, maybe he might go for a more sort of pragmatic experience, just get the selection to get the win. But it, as I said before, it does have echoes. Steve Hansen, 2003, was told if he lost the warm-up game before the 2003 World Cup to Scotland, he was down the road. Had the chance to go for his strongest side, stuck to his guns, played a squad selection to give everyone a game, working on other players' fitness while they weren't playing, won the match. The rest is history because I'll be a World Cup winning coach. Now, it'd be nice if Wayne Pivak went on to be a World Cup winning coach. You never know. But it's certainly been bold. And it it does ring echoes to me that this is what he was planning to do with this fourth game, to have another look. And, uh, you know, if it comes off and some of the young charges come through, great. And you would say, in fairness, you look at the players who've performed best during this autumn and you're looking at Johnny Williams, Lewis yep. Reese Samet, you're looking at James Botham, you're looking at Shane Lewis-Hughes, all people who hadn't been capped before this autumn. So maybe going with youth, going with new faces is the way. So you've got a first start for Sam Parry. Good luck to him. You know, he's waited his turn during this autumn. Um, you've got Will Rowlands coming in. I think it's just his second start, so you know, quite inexperienced there. Um, Nicky Smith, where's he been? You know, he's back. You know, exactly. and, you know, in a way, you wonder why he had been because you know, Nicky's a good scrimmager, very good over the ball, good mobile player. So he's got a lot to offer. And um, I think interesting that Botham's gone to six, isn't it? And because yeah, he is, and he will. He said it himself, and he sees himself 
His preferred position is a seven. But his defensive work rate, the shift he puts in, you know, means that he can do that six job. Because he's not quite a kind of, um, he's not an Ellis Jenkins, Ollie Griffiths over the ball machine like some of the players. No, he's he's not like James Davis was at his best, you know, as a jackal turnover, especially Ollie Robinson, these kind of players. His, his is about more his, his dynamism and his, his work in the contact area and his physicality. So in some ways, he's someone who, who, although he is by nature a seven, he can swap quite easily into that six. I mean, you know, it's a, he, he doesn't have the Sam Warburton strength over the ball yet, but I think that will develop in the short term, his defensive work. I mean, the one that struck, struck me was the, the cover tackle he made against England. Where he came sweeping across, had no right to make the tackle. You remember who the outside was? Like Joseph. Was. Oh, an incredible tackle! Yeah, you know, for a back row forward to do that, the engine on the boy. Um, yeah, so he's, he's well. He played really well, and he? he's deserved his chance. Yeah. Just edges ahead of Shane Lewis Hughes, who's had a good run. Um, I don't know. It's honestly, mate. Who knows what's going to happen? Who does? I, I suppose after the Georgia game, when uh, James Botham last played six, we were probably talking about him being a little bit on the periphery in terms of where he was lining up. I don't think that'll be the case this time because it's Fallatown instead of Wainwright. So I'd expect both of them to be sort of more positioned centrally while Fallatown probably stay a little bit wider. So that's, that's only going to suit James both of you to imagine. Oh, he's going to be at the cold face, isn't he? Yeah. He's going to be right around the fringes and, you know, smashing people back, carrying it forward. And if he gets the chance to run into space, as you showed in that Georgia game, I think, wasn't it? When he broke down the right, he's got the ability and the gas to get away as well. And, um, you know, it's it, you, we've always felt, haven't you, that um, Tipperick and Fallisher work better when they've got a workhorse at six. Somebody who's going to put a big defensive shift in, and James will do that. Is it James or Jim? I still have quite work on my head around this. We'll have to ask him one day which one he prefers. Is it Jim, Jimbo, or James? Well, I, I never know. I, I never. Trying to be polite by saying James at the moment. I never know. Um, <laughs> yeah, as long as you call him one or the other, and you know, Mr. don't refer Bates. to his family Mr. to his Bates, face. I think yeah. is, is when he's quite happy. Uh, let's have a look at some uh, comments. Then one here from Stephen uh, Chiapetti. Blood, the new generation to start phasing out the old guard. Uh, funny, I think that's what Brian Moore was uh, saying on a podcast earlier this week. And, um, you know, it, it goes back to what Pivak was talking about, doesn't it? Which was, he's he's got a plan throughout this autumn campaign. You know, he said he wanted to get a look at all the players. Even so, I'm pretty certain you, were you in the press conference last Saturday night? I think you were, I, I was. I'm pretty sure he said it'd largely be the same as the England game, which yeah. is probably, probably why it's caught us out a little bit. I seem to remember that quote from him. Nine changes. Nine, ten changes have exactly, included yeah. personnel. So, I mean, what we don't know yet, which more will become clear, just to let people know the press conference is quite a way further beyond the team than normally. Normally you have yeah. the press conference <clears throat> like an hour or an hour and a half after the team. We're not having it until 4.30 today, so we can't give you very much more insight into whether there are any injuries involved. And usually are one or two which come up, crop up like, as I say, no Tompkins. I mean, if you look at that, the other thing that struck me, Ben, is like, you look at the two outside halves in that 23. You know, you've got yeah. Callum Sheedy and Ewan Lloyd. You know, there's no insurance policy there with an experienced bigger head. You know, Dan Bigger's not involved at all. I mean, Dan might have a knock. You might, there's always this thing we don't know, isn't there? Um, but I mean, it's new faces. Everyone. I mean, he said everyone would get a game, didn't he? I think Leon Brown is now involved off the bench. Corey Hill's going to be on the bench. Um, Wayne Wright's perpetual bench, isn't he? Really, these days, you know. 
It's unfortunate um, in that regard. But yeah. Scrum off, Gary. I mean, that, the other one for me is the scrum off. Kieran Hardy. Kieran, I like Kieran. He's done really well. He went away to Jersey, come back. Probably the best Welsh scrum off in terms of support lines. Very good at that in terms of he does the kind of work that you see Anton Dupont do, obviously at a world-class level, Dupont. But if you look in that kind of player, the guy will always track on the side of the ball carrier. Any kind of line break, he'll be there, which is so important these days with, with, all, we, with all we said about the dangers of making line breaks. You need support. And he's very good at that, Kieran. Pleased for him. But again, it's the old switchback ride, isn't it? I was working it out that in the nine tests that Wayne Pivak's been in charge prior to this Saturday, you've had three starts for Thomas Williams, three for Gareth Davis, and one each for Kieran Hardy, Lloyd Williams, and Reese Webb. Webb would have started another one. He was originally selected to play against Scotland. Now you've gone back to Kieran Hardy with Gareth Davis on the bench. Webb and Lloyd Williams not involved at all. I mean, you have to say, and you can't avoid this, it smacks of the coaches not really being sure who their best nine or even their second best nine is at the moment. Obviously, Thomas Williams not involved. Would he start if he was involved? Was I mean, a quality player? Um, I mean, you got a, you got a, you got a, like you got six players there, haven't you? I think, really? yeah, I think he would. Uh, who, who's, who is the first choice scrum half in Wales? This is the this is the thing, isn't it? You, you think we don't know, do we? When it was when it was three scrum halves back in the Six Nations, we were having hard enough sort of time working out who it was you know it, it felt like they wanted it to be Thomas because he was the one giving the start in Jersey the start of campaigns but it didn't it didn't work out that way and, and he's younger Webb, and, he, and he's younger and he probably didn't get the time in the jersey Webb sort of came back into it towards the end of the campaign and then Thomas gets injured so we bring in Kieran Hardy who's a, a young kid don't think he's ready to sit on the bench for this one game Lloyd Williams comes back in out of the cold suddenly he looks good and it's gone from being three scrum halves that we're sort of deliberating over to, to basically five or five or six. I mean, playing Kieran, you're playing a fast-paced game. Yeah. He will, he will snipe around and he will get up and show his pace around the fringes. He's the kind of guy who will pop up on the inside shoulder of a carrier, be it up wider and narrow channels. He knows his way to the try line. It's uh, fascinating, you know, and there's, there's lots of elements to this team. The other one that struck me is... Um, there's been so much talk in the about the breakdown and our efficiency there and perhaps our lack of a presence over the ball. Well, that's certainly being addressed because you've got in the front row two guys coming in who are very adept as jackals over the ball in yep. Sam Parry and Nicky Smith. Tip Rick's come back. We know what he can do in that area. Very adept at it. So there's certainly a lot more um, options in terms of attacking the ball there. And Italy do have a record of when they go through phases, they eventually cough it up either through a penalty or a turnover. They are vulnerable to that. But when they're dangerous is when they strike like they did against France, where it was like, I think, just a couple of phases, great work from Garbisi to put Canna through for a try. Um, if, but if you can hold them out for a little period, so like so both of them will do, hopefully, and Johnny Williams, then you can put pressure over the ball and um, as my column in my newsletter said this week, of course, it is currently the day of the Jackal. And Wales have got a few of them on the pitch. Uh, line-out as well. Line-out's an interesting one. You wonder whether, when you look at the, the line-out from last week, I don't think Jake Ball was used once as a target, if I recall. Don't the main source that. of line-out ball was Tulipi Falato, who t- took three. Um, so the 
it looks like they've decided they wanted more height there. Will Rollins will offer that. Um, Rollins is a different type of player to Jake Paul. I think there's more of an en- emphasis with him probably in his agility and his athleticism and probably more of a sort of dynamic carrying presence. Jake Paul is more of a hard yards, hurt you from short distance carrier. Yeah. Um, Jake's had a good campaign. I don't think this... That's the other thing I was going to say is normally when you get to the end of a campaign, most of the selections in the last game, especially if it's a big match like South Africa or New Zealand, whatever the end game is, often the out-of-window game, wasn't it? But of the players selected, it would generally be the team as a reward for the campaign, wasn't it? So these are the best yeah, players yeah. who perform best. I don't think you can say that about this team's selection because, no. I mean, you know, Rollins has hardly featured really, has he, very much. Um, Jake Ball has come in and did a really good job. So you wouldn't say that that is probably a selection based on that. You know, and you, you couldn't say that, you know, that some of the others are absolutely nailed down because they haven't played that much. So it's a different kind of selection. It's, um, oh, I'll tell you what, it would have been fascinating to sit in that room with, where Pivak and Stephen Jones and Emma Fries and these were talking about it and to know exactly how the conversation went, you know, and we'll have to ask him this afternoon, won't we? I'm Sam Warburton, and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. So there we go. That's the team thoroughly dissected by myself and Simon. Now, as a brief sort of interlude, we did promise that we'd be hearing from the main man himself, Wayne Pivak. He, of course, faced the media after announcing the team, and our man Simon was there to ask him some questions. Hi, Wayne. Simon, yeah. Hi, Simon. Hi, Emmett. Um, just looking at the team, and you've got a lot of pace in the back three. You've got a very mobile pack. You've got two or three guys that were a real ability over the ball. In a way, is this the type of selection, you know, with the halfbacks as well, which perhaps is the most geared yet to the way you want to move Wales forward? Yeah, I think there's, there's a bit of a hint there, but, um, you know, we'll look at the players that were unavailable, like the Moriarty's and the and the um, Navidis. So, and amongst others. There's the Ken Owens and other boys. So, look, I think, it, you know, we've learned a lot from this campaign. I think with guys coming back from injury for Six Nations, you know, I think we can put out a pretty strong side. And, uh, you know, we're taking a little bit of pain early on, and uh, I think we're slowly improving. And, um, you know, from our point of view internally in the camp, there's certainly uh, there's a lot of vim and vigour about the place. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be at all surprised if we um, have a very good outing on the weekend. Looking at James Botham, you've moved him back now across to six. We talked about that last time where you saw him there. I mean, his tackle count for the Blues and for yourself has been very high. Are you almost edging towards him as a six option now? Because you've got him and Shane Lewis there together for that role. No, look, I think he's one that at his age has the ability to play in all three back row positions. Um, and it's a bit like having Navs out there with uh, with Justin. So very sort of similar. Both guys are, are potentially very good over the ball. Um, they can both run with the ball and, and they both uh, have high work rates and, and are pretty good defensively. So, you know, he's a young one that, again, um, like Shane Lewis uses, getting opportunities. And, and I think that uh, he's a big future in the game. Lastly from me, Wayne, obviously the set piece has been a talking point. What have you been thinking about and what are you looking to to do in a way to try and give yourself more of a platform there this weekend? Uh, we're speaking to the referees and 
uh, we'll have a meeting with uh, with Wayne Barnes and uh, get his view of the world. But um, certainly, we're not going to panic because we thought that uh, it was a very good performance against Georgia in the set piece. And I think. Uh, if you look at some of those penalties in the game against England, uh, we would argue uh, some of the penalties could have gone the other way. So on another day, we would come away from that game not thinking we were, we were that bad. So, you know, we, we're going to stick to what we've been doing, and that is um, trying to paint good pictures for the referees and uh, trying to get a set piece where we can get the ball away and play. But uh, it hasn't happened a lot. We haven't been able to attack from scrums. So it's been a bit frustrating. But, um, you know, from our point of view internally, uh, we don't think we've always had the rub of the green, but it's something we've just got to keep working at and uh, make sure we present the best uh, best pictures possible. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you. Just trying to think where we should uh, go next. I suppose we'll... Well, Italy. Finish with Italy, <laughs> won't we? Yeah. Um, Stephen Varney. What's the odds, eh? What's the odds of him coming on? Start, isn't it? Yeah. It'd be, it'd be typical, wouldn't it, if... Uh, with all the scrum halves we have, wouldn't that be a story? It would be him who would. Uh, his dad was one. His dad was one tenacious flanker. Let me tell you, he played in the uh, the Neath side of the early nineties, which was a, a fearsome unit to be involved in. And he was, you know, into everything. His, his, his boy is a different kind of player, but it, you know, he's a talent. I've watched him all the way through. It'll be interesting to see whether they start him because he's had yep. two goals off the bench now. Because he had COVID earlier in the campaign, Stephen, um, which knocked him back. He's come back now, and he's uh, he's a sharp little player, and he's he's put one over on Wales in the past at age grade level. Uh, so it'd be fascinating, you know. You, you can have a can't you? Like the end of the game, who's the best Welsh scrummer for this autumn campaign? <laughs> Wonder the the answer might begin with V. <laughs> Indeed, uh, you touched a bit on sort of the the threat you expect from Italy. Um, how do we see the game going on on Saturday? Now we know what Wales' team look like. Well, Wales have picked a team to play a pace game, haven't they? You know, when you when you've got two young attack-minded halfbacks. I mean, Callum can play both ways. He's a, he's a, you know he, he understands the game of rugby as Pivak as, as sorry as Pat Lamb said. It's like having another coach on the field. He's, he's a very bright lad, he's a tactician, but he, he you know he does look to play as well. He will challenge the line. He's just a good good, good all-round player. But with the pace they've got in that back row, three you've got three big guys quick over the ground there, haven't you? With you know, Will Rowland is a you know open athletic player as well, and there's pace in the front row. There's a huge amount of pace in the back division, and you've got a hundred cap wing in the centre, Lions wing, pace to burn of Liam Williams, Josh Adams, and Lo- and uh, Louis Brisanet. There's only one way you can play that, in it. You've got to play with gas. You've got to play with with width and with enterprise. Um, it'll be it'll be exciting, you know. If Wayne Pivak is to go down, he's going to go down in flames with this selection, isn't he? Indeed, it's probably the sort of selection that you, you've got to offload, which we just haven't seen enough of from Wales. Which I think probably comes to do with with a, with a number of factors. You know, the fact they've been on a losing run, the fact that they're playing in 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 pretty awful conditions. But if if there's one thing that can negate all the sort of negativity around the breakdown and everything at the minute, it's it's just keeping the ball alive. That that's 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 a perfect way to sort of play sometimes. The offload comes from confidence though, isn't it? It does. That's the issue. You, you if you look at the number of offloads per game in Pivax, Wales, I think early on in the Six Nations, they were they reminded me a bit of France about 
five, six years ago when they just went crazy with the offload and, and, and then it sort of started to go wrong and it just game by game, it just drops. And, and that's where we are now, isn't it? But yeah, you feel moving forward that they just need to commit to that game plan, especially with you, the way the breakdown's going. Do you like the team? Um, I, I, I do. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I didn't sound as uh, <laughs> enthusiastic as it probably should have, did it? I, I do like the team. Um, you know, George, George North's not someone who's ever really convinced me at 13. I don't really get, I don't buy the argument that moving a winger into the centre automatically, like, improves his game, gets him more touches. If anything, it just makes it harder sometimes for him to get touches because you've got more to think about. You can't really come off, come out of your position as, as cleanly. But I, I look at the, the back line, I think, on the whole, that's a back line that can cause problems. The pack, I'm interested to see how Sam Parry goes, both with the line-out and, as you say, um, with the breakdown, I, I big hope... Big opportunity for him, isn't it? Big exactly, opportunity. Mass opportunity. I hope that with people like Nicky Smith and Sam Parry and Tiprick, um, we, we, we can see just a bit more of Wales playing off transition because that's... Ultimately, that's where the Scarlets were so successful. That's where you'd hope Wales are going to be... It's, it's going to be hard just because virtually, the, the, virtually every breakdown now turns into a penalty rather than a turnover. Well, I mean, I'm going it, back is, to, it is hard to play off it, isn't it? But I, yeah, this, I just hope you say a bit more. This is what I addressed in my column this week for, for the newsletter. You know, I can see why they made the changes in terms of the breakdown interpretation. Yeah. Because they were looking to produce a faster paced game and probably more counter attacking of, of turnovers, of turnover steals. Just to explain in simple terms, as I understand it, speaking to referees and Speaking to players, I mean, essentially, the jackal has been given more rights on the ball. So, so if you come in now on the tackle player and you lift the ball at all for a split second, you tend to get the decision now. Um, it, the player on the ground who's tackled has less time than ever to place the ball. You know, you're given the split second and if not, you're pinged. Part of it, I'm sure, I think anyway, was designed to protect the jackal because obviously the shorter a breakdown wreck lasts, the less time there is for him to can be smashed out by a ferocious clear out. Yeah. Now my argument was the way to address that was to take a zero tolerance stance on dangerous clear outs as they've done on head high tackles. They seem to have addressed it in another way by trying to reduce the speed of rucks by giving penalties straight away. And as we've said, the end result of that is teams always find a way around problems. It's become a problem for the team with the ball. So what did the team with the ball decide to do now? They decide not to have the ball. Because if you take the ball into contact, when you're that vulnerable in so many situations, especially as Ben Young said, off a line break, where you can become isolated away from your support, teams are now just reluctant to really carry the ball into any kind of space for fear of getting turned over. So what you're seeing is teams kicking the ball away more and, and putting um, the pressure on the opposition, looking for them to make a mistake or to give a penalty away, which often turns to points. Yeah. Now, these, these things, I've been seeing these, uh, I've been coming to this for a long time. I've seen lots of these kind of troughs. We've been through periods of aerial ping pong before. And the game, sorts it, the game sorts itself out. It finds a way. But at the moment, as is often the case, when you tinker for good intentions to try and make the game more attractive, you often get the opposite consequence. Yeah. And we're dealing with that at the moment. But week by week, week by week, attacking teams are trying to find a way, aren't they? And if you are going to kick, it's about being really constructive with a kick. 
You've seen exactly, so many cross yeah. kicks. You see many what they call it kick passes, aren't they? You see, you seen them then for like from ten feet away. You know, it's an amazing thing, you know. But then I, I go back to it. Whatever rugby you watch, it, it is always pretty simple, really, isn't it? You just got to you just got to be going forward and going forward at yeah. pace. Going forward at pace, and teams are stressed. Yeah, I, th- I think it's less the laws that are making rugby quote boring at the minute. It's more, for being honest, it's the Autumn Nations Cup, isn't it? It's the only thing I'd say about that is I've seen it and sensed it at regional level as well. That's fair enough. But then, you know, you, you're always going to get bad games. But then I've seen, you know, teams like Bristol and Wasps just play brilliant rugby and, and get to latter stages of, of tournaments in, in that same vein. It's just, that's just, just how rugby goes. Isn't it? there's, there's yeah, no I think with England, it's interesting because the, the, everything's a bit behind in England, isn't it? Because they've only had two weeks of rugby. And it's really not, there's not been a huge amount of focus on it because they're the Autumn Nations Cup that's yeah. been going on. I'll be fascinated now. Well, yes, in the, the league, but particularly Europe, which is a real showcase. That, you know, the international rugby will have finished. You're going to have the best teams in Europe going head to head with, the, you know, I guess, the star names being filtering back during the process. That for me will be interesting. What will the rugby be like in there? What will teams do to adapt to the new regulations? Because we go back to that um, little clip that's been doing the rounds. I know you commented on. I think um, uh, Murray Kinsella put it out of. It was a, it was a, it was a breakdown clearance um, oh, in yeah. the Wales oh, England Elliot game. Daly, yeah. yeah, well, I think I, Elliot Daly tackle makes a tackle, and the, I think uh, is it Liam and Josh Adams come in. I think it's Nick Tompkins. Nick Tompkins and Josh Adams come in. They came flying off their feet, you know, and it could have could have been dangerous. And again, that to me comes back to the fact that teams now, because they know the jackal has such rights from the ball, teams are, are more desperate than ever to try and clear out immediately. So you're actually getting them flying in more because you know that the longer you allow somebody over the ball, you're going to get pinged. So teams are sort of coming in without real control, diving off the ball. So all these kind of things are happening. Um, and teams are trying to get to grips with it all. But what's noticeable to me is that the teams who are really prospering are the ones who, who don't look to play or who don't have to play in space. England, Exeter. The way they play with the short carry, the short carry, you look at Vunapola's try against Wales last week where he was kind of um, wrestled over the line by Joe Launsbury. He was making that a bit of a, a tactic of his. When you're going through that, where you've got an immediate latch on you, you're not going to get turned over because you're just smashing everybody out of the way. Those teams, they're adapting well. Now, the trouble is, do Wales have that in their locker? Not so much, do they? No. Not so much. And Wales, you think the way they want to play would be look to play into space. But with that comes risk. So I think, going back to what we started talking about this originally, how is it going to be this weekend? How are Wales going to play? It's going to be risk-reward, isn't it? going to be a risk, risk award. Indeed it is. Um, and you'll be able to catch all the action on the weekend on Wales Online.